You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 363, brought to you by Apple Music, Audible, and actionfigureblues.com. I'm Eddie, and with me tonight are... Adam. And Mark. Tonight, our Toys of the Week are the Sideshow Green Arrow Premium Format Statue, the SH Figure Arts Super Saiyan Broly Full Power, and Super Broly, and the Mondo Masters of the Universe Scareglow. Hello, Mr. Adam. How are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. Um, I've been a bit tired and a bit sore, which is probably too much exercise and not enough relaxing and all of those kinds of things that I don't do right sometimes. But otherwise, yeah, pretty good. Can't complain. Um, I don't think I've really gotten up to much. But tomorrow, I'm off to eat burgers galore at the uh, Burgalicious Burger Festival in Adelaide. So I'm sure I'll... um, I have to take some kind of, you know, big ostrich feather or something to make sure I enjoy my maximum value. <laughs> I, uh, with all the running and that you do, I cannot picture you eating a burger at all. Is that, is, or do you just eat burgers all the time and that's how you just burn them off? Uh, I haven't eaten burgers a lot lately, but yeah, normally it's not a surprise if I eat a burger once a week. Um, and some of the running that I did um, is about burning off calories and sometimes there was the joy of trying to do dumb things like two large Big Mac meals uh, followed by going running and learning that that wasn't a good idea because it makes you feel awful. But, yeah, I, I eat pretty much what I want most of the time. <laughs> Very good. Uh, now, I do need to ask because uh, we've been getting this question a bit. On a recent episode, you mentioned you were potentially cancelling one of your Dragon Ball perhaps a couple more on pre-order, but you didn't say specifically which one it was. Did you want to answer the question for all the people who have been asking? So the ones that I've cancelled on um, or that I had on pre-order, I know I had um, Duran on pre-order. I would have had um, Tao Pei Pei on pre-order, and I'm pretty sure I had Jackie Chun on pre-order because I've made the decision before they were um, before they'd arrived in any of the stores that I was getting out of collecting um, figures for the the main. Um, I cancelled all three of those. I still have the um, Bulma Journey Begins figure sitting in my pile of loot at Big Bad Toy Store, and I have to work out whether I am going to just let that get delivered and then work out what I do with it later, or whether I cancel that get a refund that turns it into big bad toy store credit and get something else with it. Um, at the moment, there's nothing else I can really see that I want, but I may consider turning it into some kind of Dan Presto vinyl statuey thing, but we'll see. And I assume as you're considering uh, sort of uh, stepping away from collecting a lot of things, uh, not too many purchases this week? Uh, there have been none that I can think of. Um, I did have arrivals, I think, last week of uh, Super Broly and um, Piccolo Damo and Zamasu. Um, so they have all arrived, but that's it. Oh, very cool. Potentially the uh, last arrival. Uh, we actually got, uh, speaking of you are starting to wind down in certain areas of collecting. Uh, our conversation about selling things actually got to me 
uh, this week and I started looking around. I've got a whole third room here uh, that's just kind of like a toy archive just filled uh, with boxes. Uh, and I'm starting to consider whether or not I finally make the move and sell off the archive room collection and just keep what I have out on display. Uh, and then it's quite daunting actually considering uh, going through the room and digging up and through everything that I have there and start sorting it into what I want to keep or um, uh, what I go with. So uh, I, I think I'm going to be in for a bit of an interesting year uh, myself when it comes to my collection. And uh, I'm definitely uh, still going to be collecting the big main stuff like uh, Marvel Legends and uh, Star Wars Black and uh, NECA Turtles and things like that. But there's a lot of things that I've sort of side collected and uh i it just sort of ends up in boxes and never out on display i sort of buy it once look at it maybe talk about it here on the show and then it just uh goes into a cardboard box so uh might yeah. be time to capitalize a bit uh on that as uh, you and scotty were talking about uh last week so a bit of out with the old and in with the new uh speaking of which years and years ago I uh, attended a party of a friend of mine and she had uh, just started dating uh, this new guy. And it, it's, uh, this was a theatre group and this guy, uh, he didn't really come from theatre. So uh, I decided that uh, I, I felt a bit uh, bad for him. So I'd uh, start up a bit of a conversation uh, let him know that uh, we're a friendly group and actors aren't as scary as the media might portray us to be. And uh, we got to talking and soon discovered that he was actually a action figure collector. And I was about oh, 18, 19 at the time, and uh, he was uh, quite possibly the very first action fellow action figure collector that I'd really actually uh, met and experienced in the wild who was uh, not just someone who dabbled but was uh, very much uh, into his collection and uh, was very passionate about it and spoke with a great passion and even knew things that I had no idea or uh, concept of and uh, that's formed a very long uh, friendship and uh, he's definitely been a huge part of my collecting life. I spoke uh, about how Masters of the Universe classics uh, definitely influenced me as a collector and uh, has led to where I am today and even being a part of this show. And uh, that fellow, uh, his name's Mark, he was a very big uh, part of that. And I, it's taken me too long, but I'm very excited to finally uh, welcome Mark onto the mic here at Action Figure Blues. So, Mark, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm doing really well. That that whole time you were speaking about me just then, I felt like, you know, when you're in uh, primary school and the jump rope is going around in circles and you're just sort of getting your time ready to jump in? That's what I felt just then. I was just waiting to take my turn <laughs> as, it, as the rope. And then the rope is going to hit me in the head eventually, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, <laughs> good, thanks. Well, as, yeah. as the fat kid of the primary school playground, I definitely know the fear <laughs> of any type of athletics that uh, used to happen. But, hey, that's what led a lot of us to being action figure collectors and not Olympic athletes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mark, I did mention uh, that you were a very big uh, collector. Do you want to let the people... Uh, who are listening know uh, sort of uh, a little bit about yourself and what you collect? Certainly. Um, started out very young, 
got stuck into well my parents got me into he-man collecting because they saw i was a bit dyslexic so i struggled with reading and writing so they bought me toys that had comics in them and so as most of you would know the master universe original from the 80s came with a comic so i read the comics they were happy with that and then i just kept buying the toys more and more of the toys and so I've just, I haven't been able to stop ever since. I got stuck into those, the vintage vintage ones, and then moved on to the 2000X ones, and then the classics, and just on and on, much as much He-Man as I could get my hands on. Um, I had an uncle from England who, he liked me to work with my hands, so he, he bought me some of the first Zoids that I ever had. They were like the, you know, the little wind-up ones with the little engines in them? Yep, yep, yep. So you'd wind them up. Yeah, you'd build them, wind them up, and I've just... Just maybe in the last two years, I've got back back into those, and I'm just I'm really enjoying building those massive Zoids, you know. So I I need to go back and start watching the cartoons again because the the friend I've got who I who I bought the original ones off that I started with, she's saying oh this Giga Zord and Saurus and all this stuff, and I'm like I don't I don't know their names. I just know the big purple dragon one. So yeah, I got to get back in. I got to start watching some cartoons, which is. It would be nice, something to do with my son, actually. Yeah. I do recommend if you, uh, by chance, uh, are able to find them, because I think they're quite rare now. The UK Zoids comic book is some of the original work by uh, comic writer Grant Morrison. Uh, oh. And uh, is apparently some... I've never been able to pick them up and read myself, but apparently... Uh, you can sort of see his uh, genius as uh, one of the future great writers of comics even then uh, in his Zoids uh, work. So uh, something, uh, if you're getting into Zoids, is something to check out. And what about uh, recently? Have you had any uh, recent acquisitions to feed the addiction? Well, well I, had, I had most of January off. And you know what it's like when you're sitting at home instead of, working you kind of just you get you got to find something to do and playing around on netflix and looking on the internet sort of led me to toy sh- online toy stores and i bought a bunch of bunch of stuff i probably didn't need and don't normally look at but i also just in the last week i oh, i probably joined the dark side when i bought that the new lot of funko pop master universe figures i just i saw they're all in a set so i bought them all in one hit which you know i've I've heard some of you guys talk on earlier ones where they'll probably all end up in landfill. But, you know, when, when you're a completist and the addiction hits you hard and you haven't bought anything in a week or two, it just, yeah, I just sort of had to pull the trigger and buy them all. So that was that was one thing that I did. I, I, and, um, I, I think Funko's okay if you have a themed collection and you're buying in as part of that thing. Like if you're a James Bond collector, you'd buy the... James Bond Funko Pops. Uh, I think it's, I'd be worried if you were just a pop vinyl collector. Uh, oh, yeah. what, what the, because I, I'm, start, yeah, I'm starting to see a lot of $5 bins out oh, there yeah. with some very interesting, uh, character choices in that one where it's like, oh, this is kind of like one member of a team that you really like. What, what are you going to do with, uh, just the one golden girl? Uh, pop vibe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, you cannot walk past Blanche in a store. Yeah. Pick her up. <laughs> well, yeah, Blan- Blanche is always going to be the one to get picked up. She's, uh, she, she's, uh, <laughs> so, it's all yeah. about still getting. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, 
the one other thing that I did pick up was um, the last, which is a little bit disappointing, but a little bit good at the same time. The last Super 7 figure I'm, I'm going to be getting from Mars Universe, which was one of the filmation ones, which is uh, Katrina uh, or Kitarina. She was the cat one. It was, I think it was wave four or five of the filmation ones and all the rest of them from that wave we'd already received in classics in, and it, they looked prettier and they looked nicer and more. I don't know. I just, I, I stuck to Super 7 for a couple of waves of those filmation ones, but I sort of lost interest. It's, but I had to get this one because it was the one that I didn't have. Yeah, I was actually the same. I uh, didn't get any of the Club Grayskulls uh, from Super 7 just because, uh, I mean, once it went to Super 7, particularly being an Australian collector, um, the prices just uh, almost quadrupled in a way uh, to get your hands on a wave. Uh, and uh, being characters that we already had. And like me personally, I had a small element of growing up with the Filmation cartoon, uh, but really He-Man for me was mainly about the toys in the 87 movies. So I was more familiar with a lot of the toy designs uh, than the Filmation designs, which we got uh, in classics uh, done so fantastically. Uh, already, but I got, gotta say, out of the, uh, sets there, I was eyeing off the Modulock today just cause he is, uh, slightly different. And for some reason, uh, the Filmation Modulock is pretty classic to me. So I, I haven't quite decided whether or not I might pick him up, uh, as he's just starting to hit a lot of, um, sort of secondary stores. But I did, uh, <laughs> if I don't, I did get, actually get my last Super 7. Uh, Masters of the Universe classics figure, which was, uh, the new adventures mutant quake. Uh, he was the last one of oh. those earlier waves that, uh, I had yet to pick up. And I actually found a, a guy on eBay who was, uh, moving his, uh, Masters of the Universe collection on. And, uh, it was a lot of early stuff, but, uh, he had a Super 7 quake in there and it was, uh, remarkably cheap. So I, uh, jumped on that. And basically scored him for what I would have been paying for uh, a Masters back in the day off Classic. So I was uh, happy to add him at that price and chuck him in. And if I don't go the Modulock, he'll probably be the last uh, Motu C that I get. But I have been super happy with Super 7 this week because they revealed uh, their second wave of the Turtles uh, Ultimate figures with Leonardo, Mutagen Man, Shredder and Bebop, and I've been obsessed with these things. If you're uh, following me on Twitter, I apologize. I've just been posting about turtles all week and really uh, loving these sculpts and designs, and it's killing me that they're not coming till 2021. Uh, so they're more than a year <laughs> away from hitting, but uh, right from when they're announced, I've already pre-ordered them and got them locked in, which... Uh, was uh, part of my impetus for what I said before about potentially doing a large sell-off because uh, already this week I've picked up the NECA Turtles, the second wave of uh, the cartoon versions of them have come out, and I had to grab them even though they're the exact same sculpts as the original San Diego Comic-Con ones that I picked up ages ago. These ones are coloured to look like the uh, 
packaging license Bible. Uh, so even though they're not as cartoon accurate as the original ones, if you look at them, the sort of brighter green color and the colors on the bandanas, uh, is arguably more nostalgic because it's sort of what you're used to seeing on backpacks and t-shirts and lunch boxes and, uh, DVD covers and all that compared to the actual sort of darker olive green that they were, uh, when you actually watch the show. Uh, I've picked up DC Essentials, which, uh, John also picked up, um, a couple from this wave with the Batman and the blue, uh, on the yellow symbols. So, uh, me and Scotty will talk about them down the line, but potentially, I uh, haven't spoken to him yet, but John might be joining us for that review. And the Marvel Legends Fantastic Four wave came in and I went a little bit crazy, uh, with that because I needed two Doctor Dooms for the two different head sculpts to display. Uh, I was then only two pieces away from completing another scroll. So you can't just have one scroll. So I picked up an extra Reed Richards and Sue Storm uh, and uh, built myself a super scroll and a regular scroll. And uh, also lastly, in terms of this massive week of purchasing, uh, Madman Entertainment, who's sort of the main anime distributor here, had a massive clearance sale. Uh, on their website. So I used it to fill in uh, some of the figure arts that I was missing, such as uh, the Broly me and Adam will be talking about later, uh, the King Piccolo. I also uh, picked up some Dragon Stars that were going super cheap. They were $13 each, so I got a uh, Super Saiyan Goku 4, a Super Saiyan uh, 4 uh, Vegeta, and Android 17, and a uh, figureized Krillin. Actually, he was under twenty dollars, so I uh, nabbed okay. him uh, to chuck through uh, and build. Uh, so they, they go. Oh, and uh, also, if you remember in the Great Salmon uh, review, I mentioned about mine having a broken foot, uh, and that I might pick up a second one of him when uh, if I was able to find him cheap, and they had him in this sale for around sixty bucks. So. Uh, I chucked him in the cart, and so now I finally have a uh, second great say man that has a fixed foot. So I haven't quite decided if I'll uh, move off the uh, first one or not, or because he has so many multiple heads, uh, I'll just keep him as uh, a way of displaying sort of both uh, the Gohan later on in the Boo Saga versus the Saiyaman early on, but uh, I was finally happy, and that stopped being that annoying little bug whenever I look at my figure arts collection of that Gohan's got a broken foot. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, huge uh, week in collecting. Um, speaking of huge things, we have a huge and awesome show, so uh, we're going to dive right into it uh, with our first toy of the week review being done by scotty so uh me adam and mark are going to take a break uh we'll let scotty do some talk and we'll see you on the other side if you like listening to podcasts then there's a good chance you'd enjoy audiobooks as well to make it easy for you our sponsor audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash af blues a book I'd like to recommend is X Heroes by author Peter Kleins. X Heroes is the first book in a series about a group of superheroes trying to survive and protect what's left of humanity in the wake of a zombie apocalypse. It's a genre-bending story that has something for fans of comic books, superhero films, and the whole zombie phenomenon. To get your copy of X Heroes for free and start your 30-day trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, go to audibletrial.com 
forward slash AFBlues. Well, Ben and I enjoy a good premium format now and then, sometimes more frequently now and then. You know. And uh, <laughs> we, with the DC ones, we have been up to this point doing a good job of alternating who bought what <laughs> so that we could review. Uh, but this one we was a must-have. Now we're Ben's reviewing the exclusive and I'm reviewing the regular, and that's a matter, um, a, a discussion point. Uh, and we are talking, of course, about Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, premium format, etc. And I should start off by saying that it has been quite a while since I got a new premium format statue, and my goodness, they take a long time to get out of the box. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this one in particular yes. has so many yes. parts. When, well, it's bad enough when the, the colour of the art box, as it's referred to, you're trying to get that out of the brown shipper and it forms that kind of, that vacuum. And you, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I kind of hold it upside down and just stand there for five minutes while it slowly, millimetre by millimetre, just like slowly drops out the bottom and it takes forever. But yes, uh, so we have done a pretty good job of uh, avoiding each other. And I think this is the first one in quite <laughs> some time yes. that we've reviewed yeah. together. Um, yeah, but I had three in rapid succession, and this is my third and final one from Sideshow, and so I'll be shop, uh, I'll be shipping, shipping, shopping um, locally for the uh, for the time being. But um, you you had an interesting adventure in obtaining this particular one. I did. I mentioned this previously, but I did order the exclusive, which is the first thing I've ordered through Sideshow for a while because of uh, it's so expensive now. And the but I did you know quite want the exclusive of this because unlike some of the exclusive recently, which are just you know a swap out hand etc., this is the classic head and the boxing glove arrow and the the stuff from kind of my era of green arrow um but i after making i think six ish payments on the uh what do they call it um the flex pay flex pay uh i just suddenly got a your order is cancelled and i looked and i was like well i shouldn't have declined i don't know what's happening and so i contacted them and then after some backing in for a thing was told oh that was an error we that we cancelled an error, we apologise. Um, and of course, they refund all the money besides the non-refundable deposit. If you're you, you cancel, but they gave me my non-refundable deposit back, and I said, "Well, can you just reinstate the order?" And they're like, "Oh no, but we can put you on a wait list." Right. Right. So anyway, so I I just decided to do, and I have to say, I'm not. I'm. I'm. We'll talk more about this later, but I don't feel bereft. Um, because the regular is um, is great, um, and maybe someday, you know, I, I console myself yeah. sometimes when I either pass something up or sell something, whatever. I'm like, well, look, you know, if it's super important someday, you know, you finally publish that book and make money, and yeah, buy it back. Yeah. It'll, right? you know, it'll come back around. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yep. Or not. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, all right. Packaging wise. This is yeah. one of those, not much yeah. to write home about. Well, it was it's it's one of those box within a boxes. Um, yep. First of all, yep. the, the the I which I I mean I do appreciate, although I don't know whether the it adds to the shipping cost because ultimately the outer box got bigger dimensions. I think it does. I think they measure that all up, and it goes by the uh, the cubic volume. So yes, mm. you are paying to ship some air. So. 
but probably increasing your chances of getting a complete statue. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and given how many fine pieces this one has, I, I don't think I'm too concerned. Uh, no. no. Um, the, the inner, yeah, the art box isn't much to write home about. The inner styrofoam is a two-tray thing, and I, this is, I, I don't know, this inflames my... Um, compulsiveness i think when the things that you get out of the first tray you can't can't just set up because they need to set on things <laughs> that go in the second tray and yeah. yes <laughs> yes it's like the base should be the first thing that uh, that appears it should be you know the immediate yes i was actually quite impressed that given how many parts this piece has and Wow, like you really, it, it just blows me away just how many bits this thing has. But the box was relatively small, all things considered. Oh, yes, so, well, that, that's why I was I really was... surprised when I saw the box within the box. And I was like, wow, that's you know, mm. not huge, which is great for storage. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the art direction first. And, and we'll talk about how, uh, I mean, early on when we were collecting the DC Premium Format statues, Sideshow were going... Uh, pretty classic. The, yep. the, the Superman, um, the Wonder Woman were all sort of classic versions, a slightly updated Batman, uh, etc. And uh, I think here with Green Arrow, they've managed to kind of get a bit of everything, really. Yeah. Uh, I think they've really captured that classic look, but there's some really kind of modern things happening too. But but let's talk about what's going on in this piece. And uh, there's, actually, there's actually quite a bit going on. So... Yes. I, I, I think I was a bit confused when it was first solicited. I was trying to work out exactly what was happening, and it wasn't until I, I read a bit of a blurb that it became clear. But um, suffice to say, uh, Ollie is down on the docks. Um, <laughs> he's he's, he's right. down on the docks. He's, uh, he's on, on, at the ocean side, and uh, there's obviously some action going down, and he's doing his thing. But um, I think the main thing to kind of take away from, from this particular piece is they're implying that uh, Oliver Queen has hidden caches of, uh, of gear all over the city uh, and that he hides various um, bundles of arrows and additional supplies that he might need before he can, you know, he might need it before he returns to the arrow cave to restock, et cetera. And that's, that's kind of what's going on. It's certainly, I think, one of the most thoughtful premium format bases that I've seen in a while in terms of the, 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 you actually, we've had to actually unpack what what's happening here as opposed to just, oh yes, you know, and he's on a rooftop. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. The, yep. So the, and it is, it's a very complex uh, piece, both because we've got the waves and the, uh, the kind of froth on them happening a la Aquaman. So we've seen this effect before, but then really working out what is this stuff that's poking out of the water and what does this mean? And that's exactly what you just said, that the mechanics behind how we see what he is standing on and how it's come apart in a sense to provide him with gear, but also a place to stand. Uh, it, it's really, really cleverly done. It is indeed. And uh, like, I, I was actually quite surprised. Now, this piece retails for about 580 US, I think, for the uh, for the exclusive version. And I, based on what 
some of the new sideshow pieces are going for, I think, you know, this is actually a pretty decent price for what's happening in this piece. Like the complexity and the amount of pieces uh, is just astonishing. So if we can try and kind of uh, sort of explain this one, I, I guess what it is is the when you, you think of a traditional pier um, down by the water's edge, you've got those uh, those large vertical wooden um, poles that basically form those supports that go down into the water and obviously um, into the ground beneath that, that sort of provide that main support. And what, what Ollie's done here or, or had someone do for him is basically uh, replace those with these kind of mechanical um, cylinders that uh, I guess for, for all intent and purpose look like um, the wooden wooden poles but what they actually have is um, hidden cases of arrows inside and what he's done is he's hit you know whatever activation mechanism um, that causes them to kind of pop out and pop open and reveal a whole bunch of arrows and stuff so they've kind of flung open and and basically displayed all these arrows and there's really quite a bit going on and I think one of the things that has blown me away is this has got to be the first DC premium uh, the first premium format statue that actually has moving pieces because the little doors yeah. on on part of the, um, I guess, you know, I'm just going to call it a log from now on because it's easier to picture because that's the, what, what's got this wooden texture. But these little doors on the log actually swing open and you can see inside where he keeps all of these uh, arrow assorted arrowheads and whatnot. And you can choose to display it open or display it closed, which is actually kind of cool because little hinges on it. The only thing, I, only one I can think of is the black cat premium format where she's leaning on the safe and this is going back right. forever right um, yeah yeah and the that does that safe open um oh and, cool yeah and, and you can display it open it or closed yep, yep. um the but yeah this is that that extra touch of not only do we see the mechanics of it but then it actually has doors on hinges as well it's amazing mm Mm. Amazing. Really, really clever. And also very easy to put together in terms of the the pieces of the base that are not glued on have slots that are, the pegs are different shapes and I didn't fit hard to in. So even Mm. though there were a lot Mm. of pieces, uh, and it didn't actually take a long time to put together. Now you probably had to drill a bit. <laughs> no, no, it was all reasonably straightforward. Okay, I was, uh, when been, I was doing this, I was like, lucky. Ben says he had trouble with this, I'm going to call bollocks. <laughs> so yes, just trying so. to have problems now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so Ollie himself, as I said, uh, is, is there's some really, really nice touches to the classic Green Arrow uh, that we know and love. So he's very much wearing that Robin Hood get-up. Um, with the sort of the, the longer, um, I, I guess, the, the tabard slash kind of coat hanging down um, with the belt around his waist, um, cinching it in. Uh, but some modern touches instead of the traditional kind of boots, he's got sort of modern armoured greaves on his shins, which is actually pretty cool. Um, and then there's obviously some really nice touches in the way they've updated the, the bracer on his forearms and stuff, which um, I think a lot of people sort of forgot back in the, the old days of drawing Green Arrow. So, yeah, some some really – I think for me the costume is probably, you know, as as perfect as they could get it to um, to appease as, uh, the wider widest possible audience. I, I agree. I, looking at a few different – iterations of green arrow you you get a feel of obviously the classic 
and uh, a couple of the modern iterations, a um, little bit of longbow hunt uh, in the yeah with, yeah with the regular head sculpt, but not not the kind of full you know, poofy sleeves and that yeah. sort of stuff. So I think that they chose a great uh, design for something that would work with both head sculpts as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, there is a, a couple of things to do. First thing, you obviously take out the base, which I think is actually not too bad in terms no. of the, the size. It's got some really good heft to it because it's quite, um, I, I guess, the water itself is probably sort of an inch, an inch and a half in places deep. So despite not having a, a particularly big um, diameter, it's still a really good solid hunk of uh, of porcelain or polystone or whatever it is. So, um, so there's one piece already attached to the base, and, and as Scotty said before, you've got sort of a couple of extra pieces you need to place into the base just to sort of create that that I guess um, base to put Green Arrow himself. Um, but um, you've got a couple of options as to whether you put Ollie uh, onto the base first or whether you start kidding out. Um, so some of those extra stuff, and it comes with uh, one, two, three, four, forty-seven bajillion arrows. <laughs> so many, so many. I, uh, I, I did like I towards the end. I was having this kind of like school craft project feel to you know. I was like oh, this. I, I this is too much. Too much. <laughs> I, I I really appreciate yes. the fact that they're all uh, the the the. Arrows in his quiver are not. Uh, you know, that's all one piece. But the arrows in yeah, the yeah. Uh, in the other, like the extra boxings, those those are all individual. And absolutely, it adds to it. But oh my gosh, lot to put together. Yeah. So, so to give you the idea, well, that that kind of cylinder we were talking about that's hidden inside the the log, there are little holes, and uh, in part of the styrene tray, the styrofoam tray. There's, uh, there's this kind of like a dozen arrows. None of them have heads on them because they're meant to sort of give you the impression that they're, you know, the sticking up with the, the fletching first. Um, but the way you place them in there, it, it looks as if they were all vertical and bunched together. And then as this thing has risen up to present itself to Ollie, they've kind of fanned out a little bit to make them easier for him to, to grab and use. And so you've got to sit there and stick each individual arrow into the hole. And what's really neat is the arrows, I mean, normally when you have all these extra pieces like extra hands, extra portraits, etc., they're all polystone, so you've got to be careful. But these are actually metal tubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they do feel like they're not going to snap. And obviously, mm. appreciated. The <laughs> I didn't, unlike the, um, there's two kind of rings of arrows and the ones in the middle have a slot to go through. The ones on the outside, more rest. You've got to kind of find the right angle and that because you know i'm a bit disabled <laughs> yeah so uh, once you've got those set up you can put uh, ollie himself onto the base and uh, this is a a really neat take normally i'd probably be mocking sideshow for their their one knee up um pose but you know we do actually have an action pose for a change instead of the one knee up uh, museum pose <laughs> Uh, so Ollie goes on uh, his left arm, which is actually holding the bow, uh, is a separate piece, and you've got to uh, attach that, and that, that slots on with a magnet. Interestingly, um, he's actually got a recurve bow, so it's it's not a like an English longbow um, that you would have probably seen in the Silver Age, and it's not a, a modern sort of compound bow. It's in between, so uh, interesting sort of choice there to, to fall in between the two styles. 
Um, but uh, yeah, once once he's holding that that bow and that arm is attached, you actually have a, a legitimate um, string on the bow yeah. that you've got yep. you've got to kind of pull back and and fit around his fingers, which are ready to go um, to to hold that. So that's quite neat. I don't know. Hopefully, that kind of holds up over over time, um, given that uh, it will be sort of stretched con- like constantly taut. I don't know if you remember the there was a DC. Heroes of the DC Universe bust series, and there was a Green Arrow in it that had the same setup, and that I own, and that has stretched out over time. Really, uh, I've actually mm. well, but it's actually a pretty simple fix because I've just kind of twisted the string around the top of the arrow to regain the tautness. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. So, and I mean, at the end of the day, you could always just restring it right like it's a, but yeah i did actually think that because it's it it, it can't it, but although i don't think this has actually got quite as much this has already got a little bit of give in it which might actually save it from yeah stretching yeah um, it's, it does it's go very, pretty smoothly yeah. yeah all right well once you've got the uh the string going around his fingers there is one particular arrow that is longer than all the others and you work out pretty quickly that that's the one he's actually meant to be fitting to the bow and so that kind of uh, sits precariously on the edge of the bow and um, knocks between those two fingers and I think if you don't have a concrete foundation in your house and uh, it's uh, yeah possibly movement might cause it to uh, to dislodge it kind of just sits in there um, I don't know about yours but it's it's not exactly held in with magnets or a tight fit or no, anything like not. that no it is just resting it mm. so yeah very very authentic uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, true, being, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. But it is, yeah, it does, you, you've got to get the positioning just right. Just right. But yes. it's it's so clever. It, it, it's really, I, I love the fact that they're all individual pieces. So, yes, yeah, yes. The, it's to, really to, the po- <laughs> to the point where this arrow doesn't even have an arrow head on it. So that is also a separate piece. So you can take the uh, the sort of the traditional hunting arrow head um, the little sort of diamond-shaped one, which is a separate piece in the box, uh, and it actually plugs into the end of the arrow. And the reason that plugs in, in and is removable is because um, the exclusive has the uh, boxing glove arrowhead, which you can also plug in. Now, uh, if you don't want to display the boxing glove, it actually has a little hanger inside the log, and you can hang it inside and just make it. Yeah, look like another arrow. Look, I, I must admit, I, I once I had it in my hand, I was kind of like, hee hee, this is really cool. But once I actually fitted it to the end of the arrow, it actually, it's, 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 it's saying it's big and bulky seems a bit weird because you know, hello, it's a, a boxing glove, but it kind of takes away, I think, some of the dynamics from the piece. It looks, yeah, awkward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I that that has been my sense from looking at the at the photos is that I like the idea of the exclusive design more than the execution, um, and the it is, but and that might just be make myself feel better because I don't have it, but. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, once you've uh, chosen your arrowhead, you have um, a couple of choices of portraits. There is the the, the classic portrait, so that kind of Silver Age, um, you know, Robin Hood, Feather in the Cap type portrait. And then, of course, there is the, uh, I guess, what we call the Longbow portrait, which is the hood um, with the beard, mm-hmm. etc. 
So we- this is this is a niggle. This is my niggle because I I would be super happy with the regular if this was a true longbow portrait, but mm. it is it it is, and and I've had a bit of a search around for whether this design actually references something in particular or it's just a, a mishmash because the the longbow uh, design Mike Grell had the this hood but then the mask it was still the same domino mask yeah, and yeah. he still had the same um goatee yeah. and this is like while this is the domino mask it it it's bigger like you yes. can just you can just see underneath it it it's not all one piece but it, it i would have liked to have seen a little more i guess flesh but the main my main niggle here is the full beard yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And because yeah. the goatee is just so green arrow, it and is. Um, so why they went for the full beard here? Uh, maybe they were trying to differentiate from the exclusive. I don't know, but that that's my yeah. Wah, wah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now that you mentioned, it, I think the yeah the goatee. I, I don't know. Maybe they're going for that really really modern look to really separate it from the the, the Robin Hood type portrait. But which? But mm. that, I mean, that's the thing. Mm. It's not. This isn't rebirth. It's definitely not New Fifty Two. Um. What What is it? Yeah. Is it, yeah. Like, is it creative the, license? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and I think that's often what happens when you're trying to uh, keep lots of different people happy. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. All right. Well, once once you've chosen your portrait, I think the last thing to put on is the uh, the quiver which goes on his back, and it's quite a modern-looking quiver. It's also full of arrows, but as Scotty said, it's all one piece. You don't have to sort of put anything in there. Uh, and then he's complete, and uh, I think he looks absolutely amazing. Like, not we haven't even got into sort of sculpt and paint details yet, but just the pose, I think, is fantastic. Very dynamic. Yeah, and he's, he's got like a, a really big lean. He's really arching his back, and uh, I was actually watching a YouTube video the other day completely by accident. It's one of those things where I went to YouTube to look something up and then got completely distracted by the recommendation recommendations down the side and like um, 40 minutes later you were exactly. on imdb reading <laughs> trivia about the facts of life right yeah, pretty much that, okay pretty cool. much. Yeah. that's, uh, that's uh, the internet it was a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of guys who were testing the theory that the the various medieval uh, bows uh, english long bows and otherwise um could penetrate plate armor and uh, if it was a, a if it was possible, and they had a fellow who was a, effectively a professional bow shooter, and he had a, an, a proper English longbow, 180 pound longbow, which is huge, um, and he was shooting arrows at, at a plate armor on a, on a dummy. And every time he shot this arrow, he he leant backwards and arched his back to help draw the string back because uh, there's just so much tension in the bow, and that's what's actually captured here. And I think it, it looks fantastic. So uh, it makes me, you know, even more impressed with the the yeah the art direction to pull that off. So it's very very cool. But very um, cool. the sculpt itself, uh, I think, you know, Green Arrow doesn't have a lot happening in his costume in terms of you know conflicting detail. Um, you know, all that green really sort of takes away from it a bit. But there's so much detail here from the the way his tunic laces has got those laces crisscrossing up the side of his rib cage um in that sort of classic look but even the texture of his tunic the the it's not just um sculpted flat it actually looks like material 
um, the way they've done it. It's uh, it's astonishing. Uh, I I I love when you have to look twice to work out whether it's soft goods or not. And yeah. I I feel like we've complained at points about the lack of soft goods in particular pieces, partly because that was the original spirit of the line. But when they can sculpt like this for something that is going to wear better and last longer, I don't care. The, Absolutely. The, because, you, you know, if you, you – they've given us something that looks – it looks like fabric. And you have yeah. to actually touch it to – to realize that it isn't, and so I and it's going to wear better. So I'm I'm really really absolutely yeah. Like there's some really great detail. There's parts of his kind of tabard slash tunic that have that sort of crisscross um, leather appearance, and and that's actually really really neat in the way it contrasts to the the flatter parts. Um, but obviously, you know, we talked about that amazing base and how much detail. But um, right down to those kind of modern boots, you've got those fantastic greaves that actually do look like, you know, I don't know whether they sculpt them separately and then glue them onto the figure before it's painted. But um, it genuinely looks like he's got these um, armor pieces attached to his boots. And the fact that they even go out of their way now to sculpt the bottom of the boots and you get all that nifty tread um there is really quite cool so there's just uh, incredible detail everywhere it's 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 really cool i think the so. the i'm assuming this is a digital sculpt the uh, i think that there is something that digital sculpting gives which is the ability to really uh design layers so that you don't end up with something that just looks like clothes painted on but yes. the you know if you look at his his tunic and you really get the sense of that that it's an extra layer of fabric that is above the skin and yeah. the yeah. you know the there so there's like a depth to it and partly that's through the drapery and partly then it's through the the density of it it it's really really impressive and then the same with the his superhero super leggings uh, <laughs> as as well in that there there is real detail to it and it doesn't just look like legs painted green you know it, yeah it, absolutely and and the boots again like you said they have they have depth to them where you really even from having it sitting here in front of me on the table I feel like I could reach out and pull the front of that boot off or whatever and then it would yeah. be a separate piece and you know it, it, it's incredibly yeah they've done some amazing things and i mean you know you mentioned paint and uh, you, you kind of have to wonder just how much you can do um with someone like green arrow but again they, they've nailed it uh with the paint i mean i think we, uh, i was kind of a bit um, neglectful to mention it's sculpted by um by adam smith and it's painted by bernardo es esquivel so but the paint is incredible too i, I feel like i'm just <laughs> I, I just keep sort of, um, you know, heaping the, the accolades on this one. But, you know, they've differentiated the tunic to the pants with two very, very different coloured greens. Um, you know, there's some really amazing highlighting, particularly on like the bracer on his left arm. And that's really obvious when you're posing him. And that, that bracer has kind of some really neat sort of lighter green highlights, like they've just gently airbrushed over that and it looks like there's about 15 different shades of green used to really make him pop 
Well, I think that what they've done here is because when I was having a look at the various designs to try and work out where this came from, there's a lot that can go wrong when choosing greens to you know, to complement quote unquote each other. And the uh, so so part of what I um, am really impressed with is actually that they've gone for more of a, a less is more sort of. Um, approach in that they're not heavily contrasting greens it's all uh on the darker side but if you look at like look at longbow hunters as an example and the original mike grill art and that it looks pretty um it you know it it looks more cartoonish now than it did at the time because you've got a much lighter green with a darker green and so they've done a really good job here of choosing complementary colors but nothing that really blinkingly stands out yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, Green Arrow himself looks fantastic, but then as I mentioned before, those those kind of wooden beams or the the poles um are really neat. They've got that really aged, weathered look as if uh, you know, the dock's been around a long time and there's that kind of white um, you know, don't know what it calcium or whatever build up. But then contrasting that when the little doors are open to reveal the sort of the hidden mechanisms inside, it's a, a really kind of modern um, you know, industrial, you know, grey metal, uh, you know, obviously something built by, I don't know, Wayne Tech Enterprises or something like that. So you've got that really nifty um, contrast happening. And there's little cables going around the pole, obviously adding strength to them. And you can see whether they've sort of rusted over time as well. As uh, Yeah, it's it's really quite cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I've tried really hard at the beginning of the review not to start gushing straight away because yeah. I, I didn't want people to go, oh, you know, he's already given it 10 out of 10 and now he's just going to rave about everything. But yeah. um, I, you know, Rogue, um, I think, set the bar uh, in terms of kind of the new sideshow and some of the pieces they're doing. But um, this one just took it up a notch with just the uh, the amount of pieces. Like the fact that Sideshow decided to commit to this piece with so many different things happening and so many little bits and pieces and still managed to keep that price um, reasonably conservative compared to some of their new sort of marquettes, uh, I think is absolutely amazing. And um, I'm kind of glad that, you know, they waited because it was it was worth the wait. Oh, absolutely. The, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't get, give this a 10 out of 10 for the beard. I, I feel like the, the floofy full beard for me is a a miss i don't get it um but i in in terms of the execute that's a art direction criticism not a quality of production um piece you you can't fault this from the number of parts the and even the uh quiver that's coming out of the the ground you've got separate pieces that you insert to show the (laughs) like faux (laughs) log that's come apart to i mean that's just impressive it's really it impressive you know it talk is. about the the extra mile um the it, it is really beautifully engineered and uh it's nice to see that when there is an opportunity and some characters lend itself more to this than others but when there is the opportunity that they have taken it and it doesn't actually distract uh it just it yeah, it's, it's yeah. real good. It's real good. <laughs> Bring on the Martian Manhunter. Amen. Yes. Well, the, <laughs> the 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 most burning thing I've got sitting here that I haven't reviewed yet is my Twitter head Martian Manhunter. It is. <gasps> Ooh. Unbelievable. 
Very nice. Yes. All right. Well, I think that uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, for for this toy breakdown. I think um, Sideshow are on a bit of a roll, and I hope they can keep it up. Bring it on. To stop the evil doomsday, you need a hero who's more than a man. He's been called the greatest, the strongest, the first among heroes. High voltage villain Conduit is powered by Kryptonite. But with Krypton cannon blasting, laser Superman powers him down. Conduit will learn, don't mess with the S. It's the dreaded Doomsday, the most fearsome force in the universe. Even Doomsday will learn, you don't mess with the S. Super. Now it's time for another Toy of the Week. So thank you, Scotty, for handling that first one. Uh, Adam and I have the second one. So, uh, Adam, why don't you kick things off? Thank you, Eddie. So I figured um, what with this being the one character and, uh, you know, having had two figures of him in similar kind of uh, regalia, in uh, a short space of time, we may as well review both of them at the same time. So we are looking at the SH Figure Arts Super Saiyan Broly Full Power and the SH Figure Arts Super Broly. Um, for those not aware of the backstory here, Broly uh, first had a movie some 20-odd years ago. Well, near and 30 now. Yeah, 25 years ago. Yep, that's about right. Um and at that point, it was a completely different look and a fairly different backstory to go with it, and he wasn't a canon character. And then, when was it, 2018, 2019, um, there was the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie in which he got uh, a slightly different backstory um, and he got made part of canon. So the other movies, they, they don't exist anymore. That's fine as far as canon goes. They never really were. Um, now we have this new version of Broly, who is still um, kind of a unnaturally strong Saiyan from birth, um, still pissed at Goku for reasons to some extent. Um, but this time around, he's um, part of the Freezer Force after Freezer resurrects and you know comes back and decides he's going to go around doing naughtiness again after um, Universal Power, I think it is, mm-hmm. technically, arc. It is, yes, because they talk about um, some of that. So he's um, he's got a different look. Uh, gone is the old kind of maroon skirt and um, white pants, gold boots, uh, that kind of look. And uh, in is this kind of Freezer Force armor look. You don't get the full Freezer Force armor look on the Super Saiyan Broly full power because by that stage he's uh, done done what you do in Dragon Ball Z and got the nips out, which means it's uh, <laughs> time to, to fuck some shit up. Um, but the... The Super Broly does have his uh, Freezer Force battle armor on. Both versions have the purple pants and um, the bath mat skirt, which is not actually a bath mat. It's the skin of his um, childhood pet slash friend, which yeah. is kind of dark. And- <laughs> yeah, this is something um, when the uh, design for this new Broly, um, the canon Broly, were coming out was kind of controversial because was the figure arts the first reveal of his Designer was it a cardboard cutout that uh, I, I can't remember, but uh, it was still the. Uh, I don't think it was the figure arts because I think the the figure arts was announced after we'd already seen the bath mat because I, I seem to remember having conversation about it on the show that it was with the bath mat look. Yeah, so it's um, I, I do remember when the figure arts was uh, revealed a bit of conversation about uh, this weird green bath mat that he had tied around. 
uh, his waist uh, that, yeah, does have, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great story reason for having it, but there is a bit more to it than just being a weird costume uh, design. Yeah. <laughs> it is an ear off a very big uh, pet animal uh the <laughs> that he has and uh does does give him that kind of conan the barbarian-ish element uh to him in a weird uh way that i did did like i don't necessarily <laughs> know if the color was the best choice but um yeah it's uh it, it was a little bit uh deeper than uh what we may have thought at first viewing yeah that said um i'll be up front i prefer the old look i think the old look was just um looked more ridiculously overpowered than this version and it was kind of more, I don't know, kind of cheesier. And the old story was quite a cheesy story um, in line with all the old Dragon Ball Z movies where there wasn't a lot of real story to it. It was mainly an excuse for everyone to get the crap knocked out of them before Goku saves the day. Spoilers, old spoilers. <laughs> um, not that the new movies are that much different, but <laughs> hey. So that, that's the base character that we're talking about. Um, which figure do you want to talk about first, Eddie? Let's do uh, the. Oh, it's I, I actually get them confused on which ones which, but uh, I think it's the super roll is the one with the freezer armor, right? It's Correct. base form. Yeah, let's do that one yeah. first, since canonically that's the. That's what we say first, right? So this guy, you know, he's um he's got kind of the shaggy hair. I'm pretty sure. Um, yep. Yeah. So there is also there's two versions, two heads. Let's start that way. Um, by default, he comes with kind of a, a spiked up hair, so it's kind of a I'm fighting, you know, powered up a bit, and my hair is going a bit loose. Uh, kind of the way Goku's hair used to flare up um, when he powered up uh, before he went Super Saiyan, and used to power uh, flare up when he was uh, just going into Kai Ken. Yeah. And it was essentially the same haircut style that he gets eventually when he goes Super Saiyan, but um, it's not. So you get that hairstyle, and um, surprise, surprise, there is another swap out head that is a Super Saiyan head, and it is the same hairstyle, um, which aligns perfectly with, you know, the way that we've just described things. There's another version, which is the um, not powered up version, where all his hair is kind of shaggy and hangs down, and uh, looks kind of like a bit of a Yamcha type hairstyle, um, or kind of raditzy, I guess, as well, but short raditz. Um, so you've got three heads there to, to play with. Uh, the two non-Super Saiyan ones have different portraits. There is um, a placid face on the not-powered-up one. It's kind of stoic looking forward. There's a shouty face in the powered-up one where he has orange pupils, um, which is a bit odd, but sure. Um, and, yep, shouting, got his uh, eyebrows up. He looks quite fierce. Then you go to the Super Saiyan one, and he's gone to the classic Broly, um, eyes widened out, so kind of the legendary Super Saiyan type eyes. Um, hair's just uh, a big blonde mess, and he's got gritted teeth on that one. Now, with the uh, sort of the depowered um, base form head, uh, how do you feel about them including this head? Because he is slightly more muscular in his powered uh form even at this sort of base one like he he actually almost looks a bit skinny when he's uh in the film when he's got the um base form head and it sort of uh flopped down um like is it a good head to include with this buck or uh is it one that's uh potentially maybe could have waited for a uh real base form 
uh, Broly, which I kind of don't know if that would have been a great use of a slot, but um, I, I, I personally think it works okay. It's 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 getting a bit nitpicky, but it is something that does stand out when you think about it. It's okay, but it won't look right unless you put him next to a really big figure like the um, full power Broly or the original Broly, which are still the two biggest figures that we've had. Um, I don't know, like if if that head fits okay in scale on if they ever did do a, a normal, you know, placid, properly domiciled or domesticated Broly um, figure and it fit, fit all right on that and they gave him gave you some different portraits, I would be perfectly okay with it. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's not quite right for this buck. Um, but by the same token, like, if you, if you're going to do, um, the various forms of original Broly, there's, you know, the version we got is the, the legendary Super Saiyan form. We didn't get just, um, base Broly or I think there's even base Super Saiyan Broly as well, right? From memory. Yeah. It's a long time since I watched that. Um, so there's like a whole other couple of forms that they could have done for that version of Broly that they never did. So I'm not expecting we will ever get um, a non-powered up Broly unless the character shows up again in the series um, or unless they are really 100% scraping the barrel of things to make. I just don't think there's going to be enough demand for it. Mm. So so how do you feel about uh, the way they've done the freezer armor here? Because it does seem... Have we seen uh, sort of the articulated pads? Did Nappa have these? Nappa, I think, had the articulated pads the same way Vegeta did. Um, And theirs was there was just a hinge in the middle of the pad, so it just flipped up. It couldn't flip off to the side. Um, These pads, I'm trying to think, someone else has had, I mean, we've had a couple of things where um, they just had like the little sleeve cuff thing that just clipped in and it clipped in as a soft clip-in. Um, we had one of the ones recently we we reviewed that had um, a pad that was done, or something over the shoulder that was done in this same kind of fashion. It might have been um, Gogeta with the, the cuffs. Uh, yep, yep, that's it. On the vest. That's yep. what I'm thinking. It was done, basic, done basically the same way. Yeah. Look, um, I think it's good in a way. It gives you that opportunity to get some really good posing going on. They've given a... Full on, like this is a huge butterfly joint for the shoulder um, that it sits in. It restricts that fractionally because you can't rotate all the way back because the um, the ball joint and the the rest of the cuff on the freezer armor restricts that. Um, and I guess the other thing is, if you do go for a full on upwards punch, it does still lift just enough out of the way. It um, it doesn't have to, but you can make it flop all the way out of the way. But if you just go for a straight upwards punch or a backwards punch or whatever, what have you, it um, it rotates up and the the piping on the edge of the um, pad then just kind of follows up to the neckline. Um, so it's not going to, you know, go all the way around. So it's, there'll be that gap, but it, it looks okay. I'm all right with it. Now, I, I just realized playing around with him uh, with the uh, shoulder pauldrons, uh, he's got butterfly joints. I did not yes. realize this at all. That they They're are very big and chunky. Yeah, very well hidden. Yeah, or, or I'm just very blind, but uh, I, I'm impressed with how they did those. Yeah, um, I guess the other thing around the armor is the um, the chest piece. So it is still a double segmented torso, so a double joint torso. So there's a the bit that goes at the waist, and you've got a segment of the, the armor there. But then you've got the other piece that sits on top of that. So the actual you know um, pectorals and and whatnot. The um, green midsection of the armor, so that 
piece of plating there. That's actually built onto the top piece and just floats around. Whereas at first glance, I kind of went, does it not move at all? But then the, you can see the cut there. And then I was like, maybe it's on the base piece and it's just stopping the chest from rotating. But I think it does still stop some rotation. Like it's, it is a limiting factor because you don't have as much uh, movement yeah. as you could through that cut. And I would be worried about sort of moving it too forcefully or quickly and sort of scraping green on the middle part of the chest. Like if it does scrape or cut through, that's going to be very uh, obvious and stand out because it's so clean at the moment but it, and it is rubbing yeah. just a little friction. So I think it would be easy, be easy enough to clean it off, I think. So we talked about shoulders and the, bice- the uh, butterfly. There's also um, a bicep cut, so a separate bicep joint, which is nice. Um, we only seem to get those on some of the bigger figures. I appreciate it because we consistently do not get um, a rotatable elbow, so you have to have a bicep cut or you just can't pull off decent Dragon Ball Z poses. Um, so that's interesting. Um, I'm happy with the bicep cut. Um, wrist joints, it's a ball wrist. It's a big, thick ball joint because it's um, quite a large hand that you have to put on. Um it's kind of weird because they haven't given it enough freedom to get its full playthrough. So when it's got a hand on there, you can't actually get much range, at least not with a, a fist. Let's just try one of the other hands. Um, talk about hand options while we're at it. So you get fist equipped. There are kind of grapply hands, which um, if it was traditional Broly, this would be for his, what is it, his um, eraser ball or whatever it is, um, green ball effects. He doesn't come with any effects parts. That's a whole other story. Um, but, yeah, there's just the hands have next to no movement, and it's because that that ball joint is a big ball joint. Um, the hand is not given enough clearance of the wrist guard to, to really move around. Which is disappointing. Is this is uh, it is interesting that both these Broly figures that we're going to talk about do come with the exact same uh, hands, which isn't necessarily uncommon with uh, figure arts, but uh, they are different hands to what you normally get with uh, figure arts. So, um, and yep. it's it's not like they're reusing the same ones. I mean, there might be sort of technology that they're able to shrink down the. Um, hands kind of in the digital sculpt or something, and uh, they're the exact same sculpt but uh, just different sizes. But they are definitely different sized hands, so they're not coming out of the same tool uh, at, at the factory. Yeah, so that's uh, it's a little bit disappointing, but hey, what can you do? Um, the waist is a standard kind of waist. It's got the T crotch. Um, oh no, it doesn't have. Uh, it kind of does have the T crotch. It's just that it's so much larger that it looks different. It doesn't sort of have that that same kind of little square block there in the middle over the bars that you get on a lot of the um, 2.0 figures. I think it's just that because the crotch around it is so much bigger, it, it doesn't look as blocky. It's the same mechanism, yeah. though. Yeah. So that's interesting. And they do have, I mean, you've got the green bath mat that covers it, too. Correct. It doesn't necessarily... Um, the bath mat does a good job of flexing out of the way when you want to do high kicks or anything like that. So he can do a full kick up um, past his shoulder, which is nice. No issues with that. Other than that, the legs are fairly standard in terms of points of articulation and things like that. Same goes for the ankles. Um, same goes you've got a, a toe articulation. Um, from looking at mine, it looks like it's only going to go uh, so the toes flex up, not down. I think that's kind of becoming standard the way they're doing the cuts on the toes. 
I'm very careful with my toes now after my great Saiyaman debacle. So yeah. uh, check that too. Understood. Now, one thing I did really like on this figure, which is uh, interesting because it's probably the most simple piece, but he's got his obedience collar. Uh, and it's a very nice uh, sort of silver uh, paint over plastic to give it its look, which is just basically like a ring uh, with a little middle thicker joint uh, there yeah. to give him the collar. And I, I think it works really well and is effective. Yeah, I think so. Um, for those that aren't aware, um, because Broly is an out-of-control Burko, um, he's fitted with a collar so that he can be essentially shock treatment or, or kept in line, suppressing his powers. Um, I think it's pretty good. Um, you're really only going to use it when he's, you know, um, base form, I guess. Um, doesn't make much sense to have it otherwise, but you've got a base form head, so why not? Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty good. I think overall, look, this figure was what, 73 bucks US? Yep, that's about right. Um, I feel like it's a good figure. There's clearly a lot of unique sculptings gone on. There's not a lot of reuse. Um, so I'm, I'm fairly okay with it. Um, paint apps are good. So, you know, you've got a bit of washing going on or a bit of decal or whatever they're doing inside the, the scars that he has on his arms and his face. Um, I'm not seeing any rub. The bath mat is a bath mat. I'm not super pleased about it, but hey, that's not their fault. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really well done. And particularly at the time of recording too, uh, as the figure that we're about to talk about is starting to go up and up in price, this is, a if you're after a Broly, it's a sort of not a horrible price to pay for a Broly figure um, too. So yeah. if you're just... Starting to get into the line, this is uh, probably one that uh, you might want to look at sooner than later. I would say so. For some reason, he's always been a popular character, and so figures always go for crazy prices. Um, I reckon I'm kind of a little bit disappointed about the lack of hand, uh, lack of more hands, or lack of an effect part. Um, and I think the way the hands fail to articulate is a bit of a drawback. So I'd put this at like a seven and a half to eight out of ten. Yeah, I think that's a fair score. Yeah. So if we move on to the slightly older figure, um, same same genre or same generation version of Broly. Um, so this is the Super Saiyan Broly full power. Um, by this stage, he has gone 100% full on um, Super Saiyan. It's essentially the equivalent of what used to be the legendary Super Saiyan um, version of Broly. For reference, um, in terms of if you put the figures side by side, this one is fractionally taller. But he's nowhere near as bulky. Um, so this one's more of a, a toned, ripped, muscular Broly while still being super large. Um, he's, I think, in every single way larger. You will not be able to reuse any of the smaller the heads off of the super Broly and put them on this Broly. They'd be comically undersized. The other thing I found out when I was um, trying to check that was, and I don't know about you, Eddie, but when I took the head off of mine, um, the peg was in the head, not the neck. Huh. Well, I actually, I haven't tried taking the uh, head off mine because he just comes with face swaps. It's, there's no yep. sort of extra head pieces. So I haven't, uh, I didn't think you're much more creative than me. I didn't think of trying to put the Super Saiyan, uh, Super Broly head on uh, this jacked up uh, figure. So, But it does look like there is a slightly different uh, plug system that the... Um, barbell joints going into 
it's, yeah. uh, it's uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they've uh, and um yeah, if you haven't done it i don't suggest you do it was not fun trying to get that joint back in <laughs> so give that one a miss so i guess the other things let's talk about um in full power his hair goes slightly green much like the classic brolly's hair did although classic brolly was always kind of a that was his key aura color so it was just kind of reflecting off his hair um He's got his scar on his cheek and his arms still. He's got the big cross scar on his um, left pec. He's got some other scars on his body. Um, he still has Yon bath mat. Um, still has his pants on, which is delightful or tragic, depending on your views, um, on, on the, the naked male form. Um, he still has his wrist guards on. Um, the, if we're going to talk about things that we criticised a bit last time, or on the last figure, there is a little bit more play in the wrists in terms of hands, but it's kind of I think just because the the ball joint that comes out of the wrist is a bit bigger, or it's a bit longer the peg that it's on, because the actual joint itself in the super brolly versus the full power brolly is actually a more articulated ball. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's the um, forearm sculpt that allows it to get that slight bit more. Um, articulation because you do have that little bit more of a ball happening on that forearm, whereas the other one just goes straight up to the gauntlet. Correct. Yeah. So the the the, the space between the two, um, and it's a bit better on this figure. Um, it's still got butterfly shoulders. Um, the butterfly joint is a little bit more obvious because it's all flesh tone <laughs> and exposed. That said, um, you don't really get a great deal of difference in range of motion, despite that it doesn't have the, um, the pauldrons on, simply because it's a smaller um, butterfly area to ensure that it doesn't look completely goofy. Um, if we compare that to the classic Broly um, figure that we had, that had the joy of just having um, super ridiculously large shoulders that just sat external to the body entirely. And it was a little bit visible that there was a peg there, but you kind of didn't worry because the, everyone was too busy looking at the size of his shoulders. <laughs> um, the key criticism I have about this figure, uh, about the part areas we've talked about so far, is actually the neck. And it's not that the neck is badly articulated, because it's not, it's fine. It's the way that, and this is kind of, a character, again, a character design problem, but it just looks extra ridiculous in the figure. Um, his actual, what are they, trapezoidals, traps on top of his shoulders, yeah. They basically go from the shoulder all the way up to his ears. Um, so while he has a neck, it doesn't really stand out and it just looks like it's, you know, resting between kind of, uh, if you're a Formula One or motor racing guy, a, a, um, a hands device. So, you know, the head and neck support device. Um, it just looks silly. And honestly, like, you, you're going to spend a lot of time making sure that you pose him in ways that it's not visible or it doesn't stand out or is detracted from. Yeah, I tend to find the more you've got his neck pushed forward, the less ridiculous it looks. The more you've got his neck pushed back, the the worse it looks kind of thing. Like, he, yeah. it looks like he's doing sort of a Cartman impression the further back you go. Correct, yeah. So you're basically going to have to have him towering over people and looking menacing um, or leaning back a bit, but not so far back that you can see the cut um, gap between the top of his abs and the bottom of his ribcage. Yeah. As far as the sculpt on the torso, it is really well done. Um, all the muscles are cut out really well. They look fantastic. Um, it's a two-piece torso. Again, so there's the cut under the ribcage, there's a cut, and then a, another joint of the waist. 
he's not heaps flexible. You can get him to do a crunch, um, but no no yoga poses, please, for Broly. Um, he has the T-piece crotch in the biggest form ever. Mm. Uh, this just looks ridiculous. You can definitely see it on this one. Um, but he doesn't have uh, the same level of flexibility as his smaller counterpart. He can't get his leg up anywhere near his eye. That's probably okay. Um, I don't think it's going to bother people too much, but there you go. Other than that, it's um, an oversized version of a fairly standard leg format, which we've already seen plenty of times in these figure arts figures. Yep. Um, yep. The thing that, that throws me most about this figure is actually not the neck. And it's no fault of, again, no fault of the figures. It's the fault of the original designs. I understand that Freezer Army armor tech allows the armor to expand. That's not a problem. That's an ear we've now established. Why the hell does the ear get bigger when Broly gets bigger? (laughs) (laughs) My my weirdness uh, with the figure, which is a design one, uh, is also with the ear, and it's at the back of Broly here. He's got an articulation joint on the back half of his ear bath mat, which doesn't move with the front half. So the only real positioning it allows you makes it look like he's ripping a massive fart. It's kicking up the back of the... <laughs> I, I can't quite work out what you would overly use that uh, for. Um, it really just needs like another segment of pleating. Mm. You can kind of get it to lift up and then put part of the bath mat on top of like the outside, on top of the outside of the the front part, whereas normally it sits under it, yeah. and it will hold it up so it won't look quite so ridiculous. But it's still it then it just looks like it's a little bit of a kick up. So he's like doing a little twirl or something. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're coming down like it's a it's it's interesting. Uh, of a I want I wonder if there was more thought that that would work slightly different to how it ended up working <laughs> on the design for oh, like a jump piece. Of, uh, I guess if you put him on a flight stand or something and kicked him through, it might help to show some movements or something. Yeah, agreed. Um, we've kind of talked about the hands already because they are basically the same hands as on Super Broly, so they're all kind of grappling slash key blasting hands but not full finger slave hands, which is kind of all his MO. He likes to just try to chuck balls at people. Um, in terms of portraits, there are three portraits. There's the one that comes by default, which is this kind of stern, angry face. There's a shouty face, and there's the um, evil grinning face, so the sadistic grin face, which I think if I was uh, going to keep this one out, I would go with sadistic grin um, and would have him doing horrible things as far as trying to, you know, slam Goku and Vegeta into um, various kinds of objects. Yeah, I've gone with uh, sadistic grin, mainly because, uh, sort of as we mentioned earlier, the original... um, Broly goes for an absolute ton of money, uh, and it was before I was collecting figure art, so I'm yet to have uh, picked him up, so this is sort of my main Broly uh, on the shelf, and that's the sort of facial expression that I most uh, attribute to Broly, because it was on the original um, Irwin uh, Bandai Super Battle Collection figure, so <laughs> that's... Yep, so overall... Um... Again, we haven't talked about the boxes. They're fairly standard. They're both larger boxes because they're larger figures. The Broly full power is a extremely large box compared to the normal figure arts. Um, yeah, it would be 
in terms of these new modern ones, it would only really be Shenron and Boo that would probably be bigger than him, wouldn't it? The full power. Yes, Shenron's definitely got the biggest box outright, um, simply because of the size of the Shenron. Otherwise, Boo's box him. is not bigger. Oh, oh, hang on, sorry, Margin Boo. Yes, Margin Boo's box is bigger. Sorry, apologies. Yeah. Oh, I was looking at the same. <laughs> yeah, so they're quite large. The Super Broly has um, green as the theme color. So tying into the armor and the the ear mat. The usual lovely art that shows you different poses you can use, shows you different portraits and accessories on display, and green backing card and instructions how to play with Dolly. I don't think that these were instructions I needed at all this time. Although it does show that you can remove the shoulder pad if you want, um, and it shows you how to do that. So if that's something you wanted to do, that's probably worth reading about. Okay. Uh, yep. The Broly full power, purple. <clears throat> Excuse me. Purple is the theme color. Again, lots of uh, advice on how to pose your your new figure. Um, they agree with Eddie as far as putting the neck forward and the chin down on top of the pecs, and also agree with my advice of you want to try and get um, this guy high up so that the shots are showing the face and keeping you from looking at his horrible, horrible neck and shoulders. They do show you about how to use the movable waistband, as they call it, so the, the farty cape. Um, in the instructions, other than that, there's nothing you really need to know here. They don't talk about removing the head. Good call. Um, you do just need to remove his bangs, and it's the same for both of them. If you want to just do a portrait swap, just remove the bangs, remove the face, put a new portrait on, put the bangs back on. Um, so that's that guy. He retails for about 80 bucks, or at least he did at the time of release. Uh, Eddie said prices are already going up on eBay. Yeah. So your mileage may vary. Not uh, too bad now. Like, if you were um, looking to come into the line, you would maybe be paying a little bit more, or potentially you might be able to find him at a sort of local retailer or a local online one that still might have one. Uh, in stock at the original price, but uh, he is starting to disappear. And uh, when they start to disappear, that's uh, when they start to jump up. Because he he's been around about six months ago. He came out. Um, say that one. That sounds about right. And uh, yeah, not as bad as Goku Black. How he like pretty much just shot up straight away. Um, but that was also some kind of fear mongering uh, with his availability. But uh, yeah, it's uh, one. I, if any other brollies are things to go by as well, uh, I, I imagine he's just going to keep going up and up um, as time goes. Very cool. So what, what would be your Dolly rating on him? This was one of my favourite figures of the last year. Um, I think that is a hell of a lot of figure for the price that you're paying compared to his slightly smaller counterpart. I feel like the neck is really the only thing that lets it down in my book. Um, I think this is eight and a half, nine out of ten. Um, I feel like if it weren't for the, the structural flaws in um, Super Broly, I prefer Super Broly as far as the look. Um, I think full power Broly is fine, um, but that's not the Broly that I know best. Um, not that I'm particularly fond of the character, but if I was going to have the fully bulked out Broly, I would absolutely get it for classic Broly and say, damn you, Canon, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I think I think this is an eight and a half to nine out of ten figure. Cool. I'd probably put him at about eight and a half myself, just because a couple of the exposed joints and things. Um, 
is usually that's somewhere where figure arts is quite good in hiding those, whereas uh, I understand just uh, design sort of pops it through. But uh, he's particularly fantastic uh, as a way of uh, filling in collection for anyone like me who came a little bit late and missed out uh, on that original one. He was definitely one that a lot of people are excited uh, to finally get through and uh, add to their collection, and I am excited to have a very classic-looking uh, Broly on my shelf. Uh, now, uh, Mark, some of our co-hosts know Dragon Ball. Some people don't. Um, how yeah. do you stand with the property? Were we just saying random words or uh, are these characters? Well, it was. it's something I've heard about forever. So I tried to actually watch a couple of the earlier seasons uh, late last year and just could, couldn't could find a good format. Not a, not a format, just a Anywhere to find it, like it's not on Netflix, it's not on any of the big streaming services that I could find at the time. So I've never been able to catch up. So a lot of what you were saying was a bit over my head, yeah, but I could keep up with some of it. But I I don't know where they got the name Broly from. Yeah, to me, every time you said it, I was thinking like a giant umbrella, like a really strong, powerful, <laughs> keep all the water off, two it's or three metres spread. more embarrassing. Yeah. Think broccoli. Broccoli. <laughs> All the Saiyans are named after vegetables. Oh. So Saiyan is a portmanteau of Yasai and Jin, so it'd be Vegetable Man. So if I start watching it, I'll see Carrot Top in there somewhere? That's, that's the uh, main character. That would be Goku, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Kakarot is his Saiyan name. And uh, oh. Vegeta is just vegetable. Vegetable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Gohan yeah. is actually rice. Raditz is radish. Nappa is cabbage. Cauli? Cauliflower? Uh, is cauliflower? Yeah, is uh, Kale? Is Kale? Kale is one of the yeah, Universe 7 guys. Universe anyone, guys. So no one was named after meat products or anything? It, all the naming there often is themed. So there's uh, the Ginyu Force are all uh, kind of these like Airy. milk products type. Yeah. One, which they just, in the new video game, introduced a new female member of the Ginyu Force. And I didn't sort of recognize the name as being anything. So I looked it up. And it was uh, like a Japanese way of saying breast milk. So. Uh-huh. That's what that one was. Well, so, I haven't looked into it yet. Yeah, that's, okay. That, that's a bit on the nose. For, <laughs> okay, yeah. we've got a female. Yeah, it, it works. It's, it's with it's so, But yeah, most uh, Dragon Ball characters have like uh, the main female character from Dragon Ball, Bulma, um, all her family are named after pants. Um, <laughs> in basically, Or underwear. Yeah. <laughs> trunks, bloomers, briefs, or <laughs> bra. There's uh yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting naming conventions in uh Dragon Ball. Uh but it's uh awesome uh review, Mr. Adam. This is definitely one uh I'm sure people are excited to uh check out in here, being such a fan uh favorite character. But uh we're going to uh, jump across uh, for and be back shortly with our third and final toy of the week. And now it is time for our final toy of the week. Uh, and why it is, while it is, I should say, the final uh, toy of the week for us on this episode, it is the first toy of the week from Mark, and he has picked an amazing choice. Uh, so I'll let you take it away, Mark. Thanks, Eddie. Um, I've got Scareglow here. He's one of my 
favorite characters is from the Mondo line. They're up to about they've released four now. They've got a whole group of ones they're gonna they've shown. There's Merman to come and Man at Arms, which all look amazing. But Scarecrow, this this guy's amazing. Um started out in the they started out in the vintage figures and every one of the Master Universe had a gimmick when they came out. His was that he was a glow in the dark figure. And for that, all they really did is did a, they they had the whole figure in glow in the dark plastic and then just painted the apps over the top of it, which is a little bit different from this one, which is it's all black plastic with the glow in the dark paint over the top, except for the head, hands and feet, which is a little bit weird, which makes them stand out, but the rest of the body doesn't. But he's had a few different iterations over the years. They've had the vintage one, which I just told you about, uh, the tooth. I uh, don't think no. There was no 2000X one, which is a little disappointing because they had they were great, de- greatly detailed figures, and they were just they were just good to look at, really nice. And he would have worked really well with that. There was one plan for the Necker Stactions, which never ended up getting made, and then we moved on to the MOT Classics, and the Classics one was just a massive step up from all the other figures we've had because he was. Instead of just being a figure with a couple of accessories, they almost they almost gave him a back an extra backstory just by putting in all the extra parts that they gave him. They gave him a brand new weapon, which was a scythe, so almost like a Grim Reaper type figure. And they gave him a reliquy, which was it's almost like a scroll holder. And when you pulled the little cap off the scroll, there was a key inside and it had a little gray skull on top and it was amazing. And they've done I, the. I, I do remember too with uh, the Scareglow that came from Classics. He was also, I think it was like the eighth figure that came out in that line. So it was the the first time that they'd sort of stepped away from the core cast, and um, so he was very exciting in that idea. It was like he's we're finally getting a character that hasn't been uh, done before, at least in a very long time. And as you mentioned, that little gray skull on the top of the real key is um, at that time, we didn't think we we're going to be getting a uh, castle Grayskull in classic. So it was yeah. almost like getting a um, classics version of uh, Grayskull uh, right there. So it was a, a very exciting toy. And I, I do think of it often when I think about what was really great and what really worked uh, with masters of the universe classic, this guy was sort of that one that set the bar of what was to come. Yeah, it was the first one that wasn't part of the eight back of the original vintage. And it's just, I think a lot of people got really excited for it. The heart, I think one of the, one of the problems they had with this figure was it came out of nowhere. They, uh, anyone who had bought the other, the early ones, so He Man, Skeletor, and Faker, if you, or if you're on their mailing list, you received an email that said, Oh, you know, um, it's Halloween. We've, we've got a special figure coming out that, sort of just coming out of nowhere. And then they said about a week later, it's going to be Scareglow. And so most of these figures you had to pay for, um, and maybe six months later, it was, it was quite a quite a lead time before between the time you paid for it and the time it showed up at your house. And I always bought these straight through Mondo, so they would, as soon as they were released, they get to me. But with this one, uh, paid for it in very early early November and it showed up mid-January so the lead time between 
them telling us it's out and it's showing up was very short. And one of, one of the other issues we had was um, I'm in a couple of forums for Master Universe. I super nerd out at it. Love to hear everything about it. But on the email they initially sent out, it said it was only for U.S. residents. So a lot of guys, a lot of international people who read the emails, sort of thought, oh, we're another thing we're going to have to go through the secondary market for or go on eBay and just get reamed and get destroyed. But we emailed them, um, and Mondo said, no, with a little typo, you can order it straight through us. And so the next day I was on the, onto their website and grabbed it straight away. And all good. Everything went through perfectly, no issues there. Oh, I was so stoked. It, it is you know rare. <laughs> yeah, it's rare that we oh. have stories that end up in uh, Australia's favour <laughs> as a collector. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to hear one. Oh, I was very happy. Now the, the the little issues I have with this are, you know, they're just they're just the regular ones of trying to get hold of it. But you know, that all got fixed up through Mondo. Um, the the price on it does put it out of uh, some people's range of what you like to pay for some of your dollies. But this one, it was 180 US and then, oh, sorry, 185. And then it was like the shipping was actually quite reasonable. It was only another 20 bucks. So mm-hmm. about 200 and then, you know, convert that just short of 300 to get to, get to my house. And so I wasn't, wasn't too worried about the price because at the time, um, classics was the only thing I was collecting and they hadn't put out anything in a while. So I was, I was happy to pay a bit of a chunk for it and have it show up within two months. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the packaging for any of the earlier ones of the, the Mondo figures, but the packaging is really cool. It comes with an outer sleeve, which is, it's just a cardboard outer sleeve, but the, the printing on the outside is, it's a picture of the vintage Snake Mountain. So it's the old sort of, our snake face sort of thing and it just wraps around the whole thing and it just gives it so if you don't want it all on display you just want to keep it hidden away or as i've got it i've just i've kept all the packaging for these because the packaging is just beautiful i I don't think i'm going to put it back in but the artwork the artwork is that nice I, i cannot throw it away like I've thrown away loads of cardbacks in the past, but this I have to keep. Now, can I ask, um, is that the same design that Skeletor had, or did he have a slightly – because he had a bit of a snake mountain under his box too. Did I yeah. The, yeah, no, you're right. This, these sleeves, are, I'm pretty sure they're exactly the same. All of them have been the same for Faker, uh, Skeletor, and, and Scareglow. The He-Man one was, from memory, a Castle Grayskull. Don't quote me on that because I'm not in my tour room. I, I, I <laughs> believe it is, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I was wondering if potentially like the heroic uh, warriors are coming on the Grayskull and then the uh, evil warriors are coming with the Snake Mountain uh, design. Yeah. So be interesting to see if Hordak gets his a Fright Zone or if he's on Snake Mountain as well. Well, they have they did have a few test shots of him, so he'll be one of the next ones coming out. So that'd be nice to, nice to see something extra. But then you got, yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's so many different factions in the Masters. It's just, it's nice that we've got so much to choose from. But then you take that sleeve off and you get you get the enclosed box, which has got Skeglow on the front, nice new, bit of, nice new bit of art. And it does, they've changed it a little. Well, all the old Master Universe had a little bit of, a little bit of a descriptor of who they were. Like He-Man, most powerful Master most powerful man in the universe, Skeletor, Evil Lord of Destruction, all that kind of stuff. But the original one 
for Scareglow said Evil Ghost of Skeletor, and they've changed on they've changed the front of this one to Evil Ghost Serving Skeletor. Because back in the day, like not, not that we had forums and we all got around Facebook and chatted. Like I'm over forty. Back when we talked about it, it was sitting around the playground. But we didn't know whether it was Skeletor had passed away and he was the Skeletor ghost, or whether he was working for Skeletor. So there was all there's a whole lot of backstory that we never really got because there was he was never in the cartoons, he was never in any other bit of media. So we just had to make up our own. But it's nice that they've written Evil Ghost serving Skeletor. So now you know he works for Skeletor. He's not Skeletor then. Yeah. So there's that. And then it's got those, you know, when you get the boxes with the little magnetic clips on it so that when you open it up, you can close it back up again and it doesn't look like you've had to rip anything. It's got yeah. those it's got those on the front. And so you can you open it up and it's got a little description of Skeletor of Scareglow. It tells you a little about a little bit about it, who he was before he joined up, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's just nice to have a bit of like the old ones, you've got a bit of a description, but now You've just got a little bit of extra information on where Scareglow, who he was, where he came from, all that kind of stuff. All right. So the figure itself, when, you, when you've opened up the packaging, you don't need to rip anything. There's, a, there's one of those clear circular stickers at the top. You just get your pen knife or whatever you, use and, yeah, whatever you use to cut things open. Slice that, open it up at the top, and you can pull him out and don't need to wreck any part of it. And he just slides out. Now, there's two different sections of the packaging that he's in. Uh, one has himself with no accessories on it, just uh, hands and pretty much himself. Then there's a second layer, and with that, uh, it's got all the all the little bonus added pe- uh, pieces. So what you get in the second one is you get the reliquy, you get the key that goes inside it, his two different swords, and four bonus hands, which... I love, I love that he's got all these extra hands, and on top of that, you get the cape and the stand. And I love, I love that we get a stand because these these figures they're twelve inch, so they're very likely. If you, I didn't use the stands at first, so a couple of mine fell over because these are those stands. I don't know if you've seen the mono stands, but they've got, uh, they don't have round like circles at the top to clip to go around the hips. They've got little under hooks that go like, into the groin almost, like. Uh, they cup the um the underside of the uh yeah I don't know what you yeah, want to call they, it they, they, they get they get in a the nether region yeah, um, yeah. very similar to like a, 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 a like proper doll stand that you might find it's uh if it's uh like the Batman one um yeah mm-hmm. it's that sort of wire doll stand that you might pick up in a craft store sort of design uh, yeah there to, to people yeah well I stayed away from them at first I didn't even try to use them because they just looked like they wouldn't work. But after I've after I've tried them out a few times, and you just pull them up to the as high as they go, and then just slide the figure down on top of it, worked beautifully. I was very happy with it. One of the other accessories that came with it was the cape, and the cape's got that wiring through the through the outer stitched into it, so you can make it look like it's bellowing and there's wind blowing, and he looks just really cool once he's got it on because you can either have it hanging down like a bit spawny. Or you can have it blowing around like he's out in the wind. He looks it's just it's a really nice little added extra for a cape. Because I've you know, I grew up with the old capes that were just a tiny bit of material. So the old scare glow, the old King Randor, they just they just hung there. You could make your own if you really wanted to. But these ones they've put in a bit of extra effort and they just they look great. Um, the figure itself, like I said earlier, it's made from the black plastic with the glow paint 
put onto it. The head is really highly detailed. Like there's, it's, it looks like an actual, um, I can't say an actual skull, but it, it looks very different because the whole, the whole body looks like the old vintage forms, just expanded and bigger. But the head has a lot of nooks and crannies. It looks like a, it does look quite close to a proper skull where it's got all the cracks and dents and smashes in it. It's got two big red beady eyes in there and it just, it looks a tiny bit out of place, but once you've got the cape and the size and all the other stuff on there. Um, it, it looks uh, to me uh, almost as if someone's gone sort of all out for a Halloween costume and spent, yeah. uh, you know, maybe like $300 on a really cool skull mask and then realized yeah. that, uh, yep, yeah, oh, I've also had a couple of bills come out this month. Um, I'll just have to go get the sort of Lucha Libro uh, skull. <laughs> Uh, bodysuit to wear for the rest of it. Yeah. Type one, which with I, the foam muscles. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, sort of sounds like I'm 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 picking on it a bit, and I'm I'm not at all. It's a sort of an, an interesting um when you sort of changing the scales and figures like this. Like I sort of just always took Scareglow to be a bit of a skeleton, but uh, that being the limitations mm-hmm. of the figure back in the day. But looking at a highly detailed version. I sort of like the idea of, because uh, his backstory is he's a bit of like a bounty hunter type character. This is sort of yeah. him in this weird kind of bodysuit that he has, and he's got sort of like that Taskmaster uh, skull yep, yep. mask that sort of slips in over the top and it sort of changes the way that I, I've sort of thought about the character in the past in a good way. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's got a lot more, a lot more character once you get a bit of a feel for what he's like, like, I was the same. I thought as a as a young kid, he was just a skeleton skeleton getting around. But like you say, yeah, he's much better as a as a fleshed out character. Like I think we got one comic for him back in the day, the um something about fear, the power of fear, and a sort of that gave you a bit more idea of him because I I think I enjoy my figures more once I know a bit of their backstory when I can go, all right, this is why this character's so cool. Because I always thought Scarecrow Scareglow was like the Boba Fett of Master Universe because you, you didn't know a lot about him. He showed up for a little bit and then he was sort of, there was one figure and that was it. Then he was gone. Like you didn't, you didn't really get much in the comic. You didn't get a lot of back information, but yeah, that's why, that's why I like him. He's just a bit mysterious. Um, one of the issues I had with, with this figure back with the old classics um, uh, figure, when you got the, uh, key and a little scroll holder the reliquary you could put the key in there put the lid on and it would sort of hold it there and you could sort of you knew it was all in there i tried to put the key in this one and it fit but when i put the lid on like the the castle grayskull cap on top of the the reliquary it pushed it right the way in and kind of wedged it in so i've had to get yeah and uh, i got scared for a moment and i was like oh this is not gonna go well so I had to get some tweezers and sort of dig it out, and it, it came out all right. But you know that feeling when you sort of you you get um you got your head against something like a banister or a set of stairs, and it sort of slides forward through the banister, and then you, for a moment your head is stuck in something, and there's just that moment of fear. That's what I felt with this key. I thought I'd slid it in too far, and it was stuck, and it was never going to come out. And yeah, it was a moment of fear, but it came out all right, and we were okay. Uh, what else? Yeah. So I really, I, I love this figure, everything about it. Um, collector friendly, I'd say 
it was tough. Like I said earlier with the email where it said you couldn't get them if you were outside of the US. So I think a lot of people, if you pick, if you got that email and then you said, well, I can't get it, I'm going to I'm just going to delete it straight away, delete the email, not bother, not put myself through the trauma. Um, you might have missed out. I don't think it was as big a run as the other figures have been. So there might be a few less. And so that kind of could have been difficult. But apart from that, he he looks good with the other three that I've got so far. Like the if you put him next to Skeletor, he looks great. The it's a bit harder when you put him next to the He-Man and the Faker because I I feel on figures of this size, like a twelve inch figure, the human heads never never tend to look as good as a monster head or some kind of reptile or a robot because they can just go to town and make it aesthetically. They can do whatever they want with it. But when you've got a human head, it's hard to make it, especially if you've got a figure that's like a character like He-Man that you've known for 30-odd years or Skeletor that you've known for 30 years. It's going to be hard for them to make it highly detailed but also be what you've always wanted. So he looks good amongst the with the Skeletor figure, and I'm sure when Merman comes out, he'll look great with him. But, yeah, it's the heads are hard to enjoy on a figure this size. Now, speaking of the heads, um, you're, uh, as you mentioned, uh, very connected into the He-Man fandom. Uh, was there mention, because I remember He-Man and Skeletor came with a, like, very uh, action figure-based swappable head uh, that yeah. you could put on. Uh, is that something that they stopped with those two, or is this guy sort of the first one not to include uh, a vintage head? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the. He only came with one head, but like you say, uh, the other the other figures all came with a vintage '80s head, which on on a figure, a 12 inch figure, it just it just I I didn't get it. Like it looked quite. <laughs> I, I didn't, I couldn't find the passion for it. Like, if, I love the old He-Man figures, and in because they're all, what's the word? They're all in proportion. But when you make that head, especially with He-Man's haircut, like it's never been a great haircut. And so when you move it into a twelve-inch figure and you make it a highly detailed version of a bad haircut, it just looked pretty. <laughs> good. That's to me. That's like I'm sure there are people out there who love um, Ula and original He-Man and think this is the head for me. I want my vintage head. More power to you. Enjoy it. I just it's I just couldn't get I just couldn't get into it because the rest of the figure was highly detailed except for that head. Yeah. So it just looked, it just kind of looked out of place or out it's of time. All, all the images I've seen of these Mondo figures, I don't think I've seen anyone displaying them with uh, the vintage Skeletor He-Man head. Um, yeah, it'd be like going to a nightclub in, in those MC Hammer pants. Like the rest <laughs> yeah. of you might have right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you might have fun memories of those pants and you might keep those yeah. pants in your cupboard, but, yeah, you're not uh, – you know, displaying uh, pants these days. So, um, so I assume there wasn't uh, much backlash then, or people sort of thinking like, "Oh, where's where's the extra vintage head there? Drop this yeah. thing." Well, yeah. Well, I think they the only way they could have done the vintage one, which would have been just to do like a a plain, almost a marble with a with a little scar on top. It wouldn't have been much fun because it just it just yeah, it would have been low detail. Because the you look at the difference between the other two heads on the He Man and the Skeletor. The newer He-Man head looks great. The older one is good for vintage fans. The Skeletor one was a bit different because you had his his newer, highly detailed, sort of grayish yellow skull. But the older one was the Frank Franzetta head, which a lot of people just have a lot of love for. And like 
I just it it really is down to your personal taste, but I I didn't feel that with the highly detailed look of the figure, the head sort of went with it. Yeah. But that's yeah, but it's like anything. It's, you put it up to your personal taste. You enjoy what you enjoy. And do you because you do uh, own the Skeletor? Is the bone swords that come with uh, Scareglow here a reuse of the Skeletor swords, or are these new swords? These to me, they look exactly the same. Because I've got, like, I've got a couple of pictures on my phone here that I'm just using for reference. But as far as I can tell, they look exactly the same. Yeah, mm. which is, you know, it's it's a it's a good looking sword, and you know they just they're throwing in accessories. Like you get six hands, six hands is great, and you know because I don't know if you tried to stand up. You know when you get a uh, oddly shaped weapon with a figure, and you're <laughs> trying to get it to stand right, and you're trying to get it to fit in the hands. Well, he's got. He's got the two fist hands. He's got the two sort of giving the thumbs up, holding a, a stubby hand, and he's got the open, almost magic hand. And I've I've tried several hands back and forth to try to get him to hold these scythe, the massive scythe, and I've just gone with one cup hand and one magic hand because I sort of one it rests in, the other one holds one of the two bones that are sticking out of the scythe because it's just, yeah, it's it's hard to do, and it's with this the stand keeps him upright. But it also stops him from being put in a great pose, which is you know you sort of you got to decide what you want with your figures, and you can either have this guy displayed as a I'm standing here like a mannequin, or you can try to make him look like he's about to throw I don't know throw down some death with his massive scythe. But it's when they're that big and they're that heavy, it's hard to really get them to crouch down and do anything too exciting. But like they've, they've got plenty of articulation, so you can do that kind of thing. But I think with the weight of the plastic and the size of them, it is it is a little hard to get them posed really nicely without having some kind of third party stand or second party stand. Yeah, Whew. yeah. All the yeah. So these have got loads of articulation. Uh, balls in the shoulders, in the elbows, on the wrists. They've got the double jointed knees. You know, you got above the thigh and and above the shin. Sorry, below the thigh and above mm-hmm. the shin. So there's there's plenty of ways you can stand them and move them around, but just it doesn't feel like they're made to do martial arts. It doesn't feel like they're made to stand there like, why are you ready to shoot away a fireball? These guys, I think they're, they're made just to be displayed on the stands. Like I've seen a lot of Mondo's advertising and a lot of their, sort of the pictures they've put out where you can see them in different, in different um, poses, that kind of thing. But I think you really would need a different kind of um, stand to get that kind of look out of them. Yeah. But I, yeah, there's not much you can really do about that. But yeah. Very cool. And what about a uh, dolly rating? What's uh, where? Oh, where would you land on? That's hard. See, I'm biased. I I would. They could probably put out a stick figure, like a little bit of string with a bit of wire around it, and say it was I don't know Hessian man, and I'd be like ten. But I'd. I'd in all seriousness, I'm going to look at it, and I, I love the head. I love the accessories, everything about it. I'll tr- I'll say an eight and a half to nine, only because the cape's hard to get on, and it's hard to pose him to look amazing. But everything else, yeah, it's good. It's it's really hard for me to find bad any kind of fault with him, just because I'm so tied into it. Yeah, he man's my thing. Yeah, uh, very good. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Mark, and a fantastic job on uh, your first toy of the week. 
and uh, a lot of great perspectives on that figure. And you're a bit of a bastard because I told you right before we began recording, it's like, oh, I'm eyeing these things, and I, but I, <laughs> I don't sort of want to go down this path when I'm I'm trying to bring my collection back into line. And uh, you've just made it a uh, hell of a lot harder to avoid. My fingers being like hovering over the uh, add to cart <laughs> button here on the Mondo side as it's like, oh. It's it's there and it's an exclusive. It might go soon, or maybe I should yeah, have just a hat one there. So uh, yeah. you are right up there with Ben and Scott at the moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It is uh, one of the dangerous habits of uh, us convincing each other to buy uh, things. But uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, we're gonna have a quick break, and we'll be back with some uh, feedback and wrap things up. Dragon Ball Z. The saga continues. Cosmic evil is on the rise. You and your friends are Earth's only hope. Will Goku and Trunks Super Saiyan power be enough this time? Gohan's in danger. Until Team Dragon Ball Z joins the fight. But wait, it's evil Freeza. The Earth is still in trouble. Your friends are in for the fight of their life. But you won't let them down. The fate of the world depends on it. Each sold separately. Before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, email us at uh, podcast at actionfigureblues.com, and you may just hear it read out on the show. Uh, Adam, you have our first uh, and uh, our uh, only piece of feedback uh, for tonight's episode, so uh, take it away. Thank you, Eddie. So this is uh, coming from Andrew Austin, and it was posted to the Action Figure Blues Collector community. Um, so uh, Andrew's obviously been listening along and pretty much up to date. So he says, listening to the latest podcast, trying to play along, thinking what my choices would have been. This would be for the year in review. Uh, then realising being in the UK, I have no idea what year stuff came out. Uh, fair comment. We have much the same problem. Um, I don't know if it made it through to the episode or not, but there's uh, generally a bit of a discussion as we start the episode up of, was that this year? Was that last year? Someone already gave that a, a toy of the year in a previous year, so it happens for us as well. Um, and I, I don't think it has anything to do with where you are anymore. I think it has to do with the amount of stuff that came out, um, how long it was between things being solicited and things actually arriving, yeah. Uh, shipping routes, all of those things. And this this is something I've been talking about in a couple of different collector groups of recent, which is there's no real release date for toys, unless it's the rare occasion of like a Star Wars Force Friday or something. Uh, toys have a release window of like three months. So um, I see people panicking about Marvel Legends because they're like, oh, has anyone got this? I know it's out. And it's like, well, it's out because... Uh, you know, a YouTuber has it or someone's found it in a forbidden planet at the UK doesn't mean that it's going to be on stores in Target uh, in Bendigo, yep. Australia type thing. <laughs> yeah. yep. Things have to get shipped. Things have to move around the world. Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, um, because of the uh, coronavirus in uh, China, that's going to affect a lot of shipping around the world. Um, I'm starting to get... Uh, uh, notices from uh, some of the companies that I use in Hong Kong uh, to track things down. They're posting about uh, potential delays ahead. Uh, and so there is times where it's like, mate, just because, uh, you know, one place gets one one month, 
uh, it, it might be three months later to you get it. So someone might have got things in yep. November. Other person might not have got that till February uh, in the one, but it's still a brand new release on stores of them. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think uh, December 31st needs to be a super strict uh, cutoff date when we're looking at uh, toys and the year. Yep. Uh, so, yep, that's all well and truly correct. Uh, the second point Andrew makes is um, really, 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 really happy that the Batcave was finally got um, as I'm walking to work, 8.23am, so just a background to me typing. Um, and I did a yay in my mind, so that's awesome news do. Um, and back to the last 20 minutes. Um, so also says now that he's interacted with us guys, so via the Facebook um, community or I guess not so much myself, but uh, there's also the, the forum, which I have long since stopped going to, but that's me. Um, slowly putting voices to faces or faces to voices. So when I read a comment, I read it in podcast voice, if that's a thing, um, which is awesome. And I think most of us have actually got a picture of ourselves as our um, Facebook profile pic. Um, I think Scotty at the moment has Benson, his dog, as his <laughs> Facebook, Facebook profile pic. Um, otherwise, it's generally pretty accurate. I, I really hope Andrew Scotty uh, as a talking a dog. Talk. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> like that does make a like lot of Salem. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> like Salem from Sabrina. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I did want to uh, pull out this piece of feedback just because uh, if uh, you're listening to this and you've got Facebook, but you're not a part of the Action Figure Blues uh, Facebook community page, it is a great uh, spot. Um, I know if you're like a lot of us action figure collectors, you're probably part of a lot of uh, action figure community pages, uh, but I really like ours uh, because it is different. It's uh, A lot of the ones that I'm in tend to become uh, a lot more sort of selling sites and people moving things and uh, that, whereas uh, the AFB one, uh, because we're all in different parts of the world and all that, it's just a real sort of love fest for action figures. People are just sort of posting uh, their latest finds when it excites them. People are posting pictures of old toys that they love. People are posting pictures of their custom work. Um, there's just a lot of real fun uh, connecting with uh, action figure collectors from all different walks of life and not getting a thousand notifications of people trying to uh, sell a figure that's been peg warming for months in uh, the local toy world. Uh, or looking for a trade for a rare figure for uh, the figure that they've uh, just got off Amazon for cheap. So uh, I, I do quite like it. Uh, so if you do get a chance, go to our regular Facebook page uh, and you'll be able to um, find the connection through there or search Action Figure Blues uh, community. It is a private group. We do our um, best and have been very successful at keeping out uh, sort of bots and all that. So... Uh, you will be asked kind of uh, some real basic action figure uh, questions uh, when coming in and joining, uh, but it's a great space. So I, I do want to do, it's been a while since we've done a push uh, of encouragement, but uh, it's a great group there. Uh, and uh, with that, that is the end of the episode. So uh, thank you, Adam, and uh, in particular, uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, sorry it's taken this long to finally get you on. It's been nice. My first time has been enjoyable. Uh, you always remember awesome. your first time. Yeah. <laughs> Easy done, guys. So uh, without further ado, we'll see you next week and good journey. Bye. See you guys.
The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Max Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at actionfigureblues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 